still they come. Morning and night, night and morning, they walk down that road. The young ones and the old ones. How worn they look. How tired. Are there hundreds of them or thousands of them? Oh, wouldn't you think? Wouldn't you think that with so many, my Judd... <laughs> my Judd might be amongst them. You've just made a wrong turn heading south onto strange highways. Enter Death's waiting room, if you dare. And welcome to Strange Highways. I am Paul. And I'm Kevin. And we hope you guys uh, came out of your shelter. The Conrad uh, gave the all clear and you went back upstairs and picked up after your horrible neighbors knocking down all that cake. Yeah. Uh, I played with battering ram all weekend. So, <laughs> AKA pipe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, all right. So this episode uh, is season three, episode four, the passersby. I keep wanting to say the passerby. And that's not correct. Uh, air date October 6th, 1961. Uh, number one film is Breakfast at Tiffany's. And I just want to point out um, so I use, like, I find this one site where it's like, what was the number one film on your birthday? And that's why I type it in now because there used to be this whole Wikipedia page with all this information and some jerk wiped it out. And it will usually show me a trailer for whatever the film is. In this case, it brought up a video of the song breakfast at Tiffany's by deep blue something. And I'm like, I don't think that's right. So uh, I thought that was funny. Um, number one song is, uh, take good care of my baby by Bobby V. Um, things that happen around the air date. So on two things happened on the third. So three days before this, the Dick Van Dyke show premiered. So I think that's kind of important to mention. And yeah. also <clears throat> the motion picture association of America changed its production code, declaring that in keeping with the culture, uh, the mores and the values of our time, homosexuality and other sexual aberrations. I like that word aberrations. I don't like it. That's just, it's a weird word to put in here. May yeah. now be treated with care, discretion, and restraint, adding that such aberrations could be suggested, suggested, but not actually spelled out. So uh, they're just, they're paving the way for ascots, ascots all over the place is what's going to happen. <laughs> You yeah, know, we yeah. get we get Fred on Scooby Doo just Scooby. flaunting it. We get we get Vincent Price in the movie Laura. That's what we get. Uh, so, <laughs> um, I, I just the whole like the whole aberration thing. It's like even then, it's like we're changing we're changing because of the times, but we're still going to use negative connotations, and we cannot not say it. I mean, it's one step closer, right? But yeah, still, baby steps, baby yeah, steps. Yeah. So yeah, so. there you go. That's that's your uh, that's your history around the air date. So we'll jump into cast and crew here. This episode is directed by Elliot Silverstein, who we recently discussed on the final episode, I believe final episode of season mm -hmm. two, The Obsolete Man. Um, so if you want to hear our conversation about Mr. Silverstein, please go back to that episode. Check it out. 
Uh, this episode was written by Rod Serling, which uh, he did most of the war episodes that we're going to cover and have covered so far on the show. Uh, and I want to mention music by Fred Steiner, who has worked on multiple episodes, uh, two of which we have covered on the show. But the music is fantastic in this episode, so I wanted to yes. uh, drop a little love his way. Um, so we'll jump into cast here. We have James Gregory, who plays Confederate Sergeant uh, Ebby. I believe he pronounces I it. I thought his last name was Sergeant, so he's, he's actually Confederate Sergeant. No, I don't know. but Yeah, <laughs> yeah they... they they don't really use names too much in this, no. uh, but yeah, I think his name was Abby. He was uh, in season one, episode one. Where is everybody? As one of the uh, somebody in the air force. Yeah, at the very end, in the the hot box that they're pulling the guy out of, it was having the hallucinations. Yeah, yeah. So uh, if you want to hear us talk about James Gregory, go back to that episode. Yeah, go back to our uh, second episode that we recorded. <laughs> yeah, because I don't remember what we said about him. So uh, go back there. Uh, next up, we have Joanne Lin- Linville, who plays Lavinia Godwin, which I don't remember them giving them last names in the episode, but no. uh, I'll I'll take IMDb. <laughs> I'll take their word for it. Uh, she was in Star Trek, which I guess was a fairly memorable role. I don't know if he could speak to that. No, I mean, I know she was in it. And I made a note of it. I couldn't speak about the role. Um, I will say that uh, she was in an episode of an anthology series called Bus Stop. Uh, the final episode of the series was called I Kiss Your Shadow. Uh, the episode was based on a short story by Robert Block, who wrote Psycho. Um, in the book, <laughs> Dan's Macabre, I'm probably saying that name wrong. It's a Stephen King. It's a nonfiction book that he wrote about horror and his examination of it. Uh, he said that this was the single most frightening story ever done on television. Um, he said the bus stop at that point was a straight drama show. The final episode, however, deviated wildly into the supernatural. And for me, I Kiss Your Shadow has never been beaten on TV and rarely anywhere else for eerie mounting horror. So that's our challenge to find this and watch it at some point. Yeah, I was going to say, let's definitely put a pin in that and find that episode and cover sometime soon because yeah. that sounds that sounds awesome. Yeah. That's that's hell of uh, some huge praise for that coming from Stephen King. So, um, yeah, definitely. Let's save that and try and come back to that. Uh, next up, we have Rex. Hol- oh, I didn't finish with Joan Linville. Uh, this was her only Twilight Zone appearance, and I guess that's all I had. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, by the way, important. Everybody know, never go. Yeah, see her this again. is yeah. this is it. Yeah. So, uh, next up, we have Rex Holman, who plays Charlie Constable. Uh, he was also in some Star Trek, mm-hmm. uh, quite a bit of Star Trek, mul- multiple iterations of the show. Um, this was his only Twilight Zone. He did lots of TV work. He was one of those one of those actors that comes about on our show quite a bit. A lot of TV. Yeah, <laughs> it's like okay. I didn't I, know I, if you had anything I, else. Nothing <laughs> else. I just uh, yeah. There's a lot of a lot of people in here that did a lot of work that I don't know, and a lot of TV shows that I've never heard of. So that's it's unfortunate that they spent their life doing these things that we should probably appreciate. And I'm just like, I don't know, never heard of it. Is it Super Train? I don't care. You know, like moving yeah. on. Yeah. No whole no Hawaiian I. I'm out. Yeah. Right. Um. No, I mean it's probably great. I'm not. I'm not talking about their performances or anything it's just something not everything can uh, be remembered through the through time so next up we have david garcia who plays the union lieutenant uh this was his only twilight zone appearance and he didn't really do too much else he had about 23 credits overall so not much to talk about there um 
yeah, next up with. He's the one that has the really kind of off-putting voice, like the calm voice, right? We'll get to that, right? He's the one that's in shadow, if I remember right. Like, yes. and, I, and I thought yeah. his the some of the stuff that he said was very unnerving, and it surprised me that I didn't we didn't see him anywhere else. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, I was surprised too. Uh, and then we have Warren Kemmerling, who plays Judd Godwin. Um, he was in Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I was really excited to see. He pops up as like some uh, general or something, some the U.S. military general it- in Godzilla 1985. <laughs> yeah. I was so pumped to see that. Um, one episode of Johnny Midnight, and this go. was his only Twilight Zone appearance. He was also in Hitchcock's last film, uh, Family Plot. This, I think that's worth mentioning just because it's Hitchcock. Uh, so, but yeah, Johnny Midnight, I put that all in caps here. I wanted to make sure that if you, if you didn't say it, I was going to say it. We talk about all the important works of people's lives. Close Encounters of the Third Kind, pretty important film, but he was also in Johnny Midnight. So I think that was, yeah, you got to recognize. All caps, Close Encounter. Yeah, movie's okay. It's the third kind. <laughs> like really, I mean, there's two other kinds that are more important than that one. So, but Johnny Midnight, you know. There's only one Johnny Midnight. It's true. And it may only we don't know one. who he is. <laughs> he may not even exist. There might yeah. not even be a character named Johnny Midnight. That's true. And it may have only lasted one season, but the way I figure then, then it's just, it's pure. It's, it's, it's very isolated and you know, you didn't get much of it. So you didn't get sick of it. Right. So people need to appreciate this thing that I can't find, but it just shows up. So anyway, cheers <laughs> to Johnny Midnight. All right. And then lastly, we have Austin Green, who, uh, Oh, oh, excuse me. Plays Abe Lincoln in this. Yeah. And that's kind of a spoiler. Um, (laughs) I didn't think about it until right now. Uh, He's another one. (laughs) He's another one that uh, really didn't do too much. This is his only Twilight Zone appearance. And uh, he did have a role on the Jack Benny program. And I sent Paul a link to the sketch. Um, Jack Benny did a Twilight Zone sketch with Rod Serling on the show in 1963. So was Austin and the guy that was supposed to be the the, the guy singing uh, the song, like he was supposed to be the tenor or whatever it was? Was that him I in the middle? So because he definitely wasn't the butler. No, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, that's that's fair. Um, that like we have to put that up on the Facebook page because it was a weird, it was a weird skit. Like I get what they were going for, and Rod was game. It's just that the jokes, and I understand it's a different time and comedy's different. They weren't good. Like there was a lot of that. That there's just they weren't. Like the one thing I liked the best was was uh um was it uh Jack Benny was trying to remember his name, and he was like it's Jack, and he's like oh, it's like this is pathetic. He's like he's like like your last name is pathetic or whatever. Like that was a funny line, but the rest yeah, of it he's was like, like no, it's definitely not pathetic. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not pathetic. And then yeah, it's just there was for having Serling on set and for you to talk about how weird the Twilight Zone is. That they didn't, they didn't even. It, it almost feels like Rod probably come up, could have come up with a better skit idea about his own show. Um, but Rob was game, and that's that's worth it just to see him kind of having some fun with it. And his last line at the end was, uh, um, "For anyone that says they're thirty nine is for as long, for anybody that says they've been thirty nine for as long as Jack Benny has said he is, he definitely lives in the Twilight Zone." I thought that was a really good line as well. Yeah, that was the only funny joke <laughs> in the entire thing. <laughs> And it probably wasn't even written. Um, but yeah, yeah it, it's interesting just to see Serling uh, outside of his element, sort of. Well, and that, <laughs> even it, though it, he's playing himself, but you can, he's got this kind of like smile and wink at the camera the entire time. That's something you don't really see him with on the Twilight Zone. That's true. And, and not to get too much of that, but it's like that was a contemporary TV show, right? So we got to see kind of 
like a peek at the popularity of the Twilight Zone through the Jack Benny show. You know, so that's kind of cool that that was specifically brought in to be something that people it was a known commodity. It wasn't like it wasn't the whole skit was around the Twilight Zone. So I thought that's kind of that's kind of cool. It's like seeing like the current SNL stuff where they directly reference, I don't know, like uh, when Stranger um, Things Stranger, or something. Yeah, yeah, like or whenever you had uh, Chadwick, Chadwick Boseman on and almost every other skit was about Black Panther. That's cool. I'm fine with that. They were awesome. But yeah, it's that's kind of Yeah, kind I of imagine yeah. 60 years from from now going back and watching stuff about Black Panther on SNL, you're going to be like, this is terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, but Keenan Thompson will still be a a cast member on SNL at that point. So who knows? So it's going to be a hundred and (laughs) a hundred and four. Yeah. All right. Anyway, we, I'm sorry. I got, I really drug this, uh, far, far off field. So yeah, no, it's cool. Yeah. We'll post the, We'll definitely post that Jack Benny sketch on to the Facebook page. So if you guys want to check it out, it's only like five minutes. Yeah. Uh, it, it's definitely worth seeing just to see, uh, just to see some pop culture from the time. Yeah. So yeah. All right. That's, that's your cast. Uh, and yeah, what's the, the Sterling intro we'll, we'll talk about. It. It's, it's, it's disjointed and odd. So yeah. I don't even have time to take a sip. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not even going to have time to take a sip of my beer during this. This road is the afterwards of the Civil War. It began at Fort Sumter, South Carolina, and ended at a place called Appomattox. It's littered with the residue of broken battles and shattered dreams. In just a moment, you will enter a strange province that knows neither north nor south, a place we call the Twilight Zone. Whoa, whoa, slow down there, Ken Burns. Like, you know, just <laughs> like time and place. It's just like basically like Appomattox and other things and other Civil War terms. The, the, the Twilight Zone. Like, it was just very, for as much as I've attacked him, some of his intros for being very verbose and covering up. Like, this is more like, it's the Civil War and it's going to get weird. Here's your episode. Yeah. That's well, it. he kind of tips his hand at uh, what this episode is going to be because immediately because there's uh, there's probably about six minutes of exposition before he comes on screen Mm -hmm. and with his little opening narration there it kind of just spoils what's going on pretty quickly yeah it does um but i so let's we'll back it up here before we get to his intro um i the beginning of the episode is actually really nice i like the the mood and showing the people walking on the road and you see all the veterans and it's very slow and it's a very creepy atmosphere. And I dug, I dug the look of the episode a great deal and it definitely gets you into that mindset very fast. Yeah. The, the setting is fantastic. I love, I think South Carolina, he says it takes place in, um, I just love that kind of Southern Gothic feel that this entire episode has. And, um, I saw somewhere somebody comparing the, uh, the soldiers walking through, especially when it's nighttime to night of the living dead. And I definitely have to agree with that because there is, there is a creepiness to the way that everyone is stumbling through. Yeah. And like a determinedness just to keep moving, you know, and that's like, well, we'll this episode has some flaws, but that whole element of it is very strong. And I, and I, I appreciate that. Yeah, the backbone of this episode is fantastic. I think, uh, not to get too ahead of ourselves here, I think the performances are great. Uh, I think some of the writing gets a little bit on the nose, similar to how I felt last week. Yeah. But I don't think it hinders the episode 
to the point that uh, I don't like it. <laughs> like there's still a lot there's still a lot I love about this episode that outweighs the bad. But mm-hmm. so yeah, some of it is a little bit cringeworthy and there are a few few problems, but we'll get to it. I'm I'm jumping way ahead here. Yeah, so we start off with meeting um, the James Gregory, the Confederate sergeant, and forgive me, I'm going to switch these names around. His his character's name's not Gregory, but that's probably going to happen. Uh, he he stops along this ro- this road that all the veterans are walking along. Not veterans, I don't, the soldiers. They're all soldiers, and they're all walking along this road, and the, and they pass by this uh, this mansion that's in ruin. I, I don't. What do you like? Plantation? Maybe that's. I mean, it's it's, it's a dilapidated plantation yeah home something, or something you know uh scarlet o'hara has moved away from here but uh so <laughs> which i mean that's not south carolina but whatever so anyway he he's passing by and he sees um a, a lady on the porch in a rocking chair and he and he's kind of hobbled he asks like hey can i stop and have a drink of your water and she's like sure and so he has some water and he ends up sitting down by the tree and he says something along the lines of like uh um what was it he said to her he's like it was beautiful once the tree, I mean, and it's like, wow, that, that's a sideways compliment there at the, the lady sitting in the chair. And he's like talking and they're having this conversation back and forth. And you figure out that um, her husband also served uh, in the South, the Confederate Army, and um, and that she lost him. And at the same time, uh, Gre- uh, the Gregory, that's not his name, uh, Confederate, yeah, Ebby, Confederate Sergeant. He, you know, he served and was injured and is now going home. You know, the war's over. And yeah. it, it's, it's a lot of this is just conversation back and forth of them building character. Um, yeah, that's how, yeah, that's how a lot of this episode is. But yeah. during that whole exchange, he sits down and breaks out. He's carrying a guitar with him. Not uh, a guitar. A sort of guitar. Not a guitar. What's it? <laughs> His git box. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah cause it's, it's kind of like a handmade guitar. It's not really... Well, I guess all guitars are technically handmade, but it, it's kind of a makeshift guitar. Yeah. Uh, but he sits down and starts playing a song on it and everything. And uh, she tells him that her husband used to play guitar until he was killed at uh, Yellow Tavern with General Stewart, which is actual uh, more historical stuff. Oh, OK. Uh, that he slipped into this episode. But and it, but there's a great conversation. She introduces that her husband's name was Judd. And she's looking out at all the people walking by and everything. And she's like, you know, with all these people coming home injured, it makes me think, like, why do they get to come home? And why can't Judd be one of these guys that's going to walk by? Yeah. Sets up this episode. And so uh, he plays a song and she kind of sings along. And that's when we get the the Serling intro there. Well, she also says at one point, too, because she's sitting in this chair, like fanning herself. Um, that Abby's like, are you okay? She's like, I just have a bit of a fever is what she says somewhere in there. Right. Like that's said early on. That's why she's kind of like just sitting there doing nothing, watching all these people pass by. And then it cuts to Serling, um, you know, another whip pan of him, <laughs> like giving his intro. And it's like, you know, I, I know that they would never put him in period specific clothes, but it's like one of these times where I kind of wish they would have. Like just him just walking along in a Confederate outfit, <laughs> yeah, just, just him walking smoking along. a cigarette, yeah. <laughs> just, just riding a horse fast. <laughs> that would be that great, would amazing. Yeah, um, but yeah, he does his intro, and then we get back to like basically this becomes a long thing of that you learn that um, uh, Lavinia, like this was her life, and then the war happened, and everything got taken away from her. Um, and, and so she's having this conversation with Ebby and it kind of goes back and forth where, you know, she's seeing all these people walk down the road and eventually she sees Charlie Constable 
who was wandering down the road as well. And she knows that he died, like, or supposedly died in the war. And she runs up to him and saying, oh, Charlie, you're, you're alive. And, you know, your wife will want to see you. And I'm so excited to see you. And, and she has this idea in the back of her head of like, well, Charlie's there. Then maybe, maybe my husband's okay too. And she takes his hat off as he keeps walking forward saying he has to keep walking down this road. She looks at the hat and tells Ebony, she's like, there's blood in this hat. And you don't yeah, see it, but it's a good He's very zombie-like in yeah. this. You know, he, all he's really saying to her is that he's almost there. And he's not looking at her. He's just looking straight ahead, and he's walking. But he, like, he actually yeah. references her directly, though, if I remember right. He like, does. Yeah. yeah, he does, because he says her name or something. And uh, I, th- I think he may have said goodbye or something to her. But, um, but he's still just got this like deadpan voice and look about him. Yeah. And he's just he's walking forward. Uh, like I said, it's kind of like a zombie. Yeah. So then, um, they, they go back and re like, they, they take their places again of her sitting on the porch and, um, and Ebbing playing his guitar. And I, I wrote here, he wrote, uh, about how he built this one while he was out, you know, in the war. And he says, I got a feeling for wood, which I thought was a funny statement. Um, and then also you find out that, uh, his father basically, you know, was like happy to see him go off to a war to become a man because he really liked playing, playing music. And his his dad said that he uh, what was it all it was his head was soft mush and sad ballads and I thought that was a good line, as well. Um, yeah, I just think it's funny because when you see him, like he's kind of an old man. <laughs> <laughs> like he's definitely not a boy. So I kept imagining it like a stepbrother situation with him living at home with his dad. And he's like, you gotta get out of here, man. But dad, I got, <laughs> I got my drum station set up upstairs, my beat laboratory. You know. <laughs> Um, and, and I guess in the original script, it was supposed to be someone who was almost the age of like a drummer boy, but they cast uh, the, this gentleman in the role and he's fine. Uh, yeah, but, he's yeah, good. I, yeah. I actually really like him. And I was it, it, it was really quick to look past this this issue. But if there's just a moment where I was like, huh, he seems a little old. <laughs> to be kicked out of his house by his dad well, to become a man. But, war war right, ages you. You fine. didn't realize he was 16 years old in the episode. You didn't know that. No. Uh, <laughs> um, so I mean, I know Hollywood like to cast uh, older people as <laughs> younger kids in this time, but uh, this is just a little ridiculous. Well, if you go back though, and not and, and so I I promise the listeners, and I promise you that I will not get heavy in the Civil War here, not because um of for what it is, because I'm fascinated by it. There's another episode this season that deals with um, the Confederates trying to win the war by talking to a witch. I think I think I read one of the plot descriptions of one of the episodes. So we're coming back to Civil War sooner than later. But if you go and watch, and I would recommend it's a it's a long watch. And I made the joke about the Ken Burns Civil War documentary, which is phenomenal, but it's like 13 hours long. You see these photos yeah. at the time, and you see all these people standing around, and it's just like, um, you know. He lived to the ripe old age of 21. It's like, what is going on? You know, like you see these guys with these haggard beards and mustaches that, you know, they saw some shit and it's like, oh, they, they, in this day and age, like they wouldn't even be allowed to buy alcohol. And here they were in several war fronts and lucky to be alive. And they look older than I do now. And I'm almost 40. Like it's, it's bizarre to me, you know? And it's like, that's, that's the reality of it. Right. So I know we joke about this guy being like, you know, 16, but Man, it was hard living back then, you know. So. Yeah, it was it was a rough sixteen years, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah. I mean, it, it it is crazy to think because you think back what you were doing when you were twenty one. It's like, 
Yeah, just playing in punk rock bands, playing video games, and uh, staying up late. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hard life. Yeah, definitely not worried if I got got grazed on the battlefield if I had to cut my entire arm off. Yeah, not not that at all, no. Like, yeah, definitely <laughs> not worried about gangrene on a battlefield. <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah, uh, uh, that's rough. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was kind of off-putting because uh, <laughs> he's talking about being kicked out and everything and yeah. becoming a man. It's like, you're 60 years old, but <laughs> so, that's okay. Um, so we get Lavinia talking more about her husband saying that, you know, her husband was a nice man, a gentle man, and I put dot, 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 that still fall on the side to keep slaves, but she didn't say that. Um, and she's like talking about like romanticizing this gentleman, and then she says the blue locust came and ate everything up. And when you said South Carolina, I I didn't catch where this was. I thought this was like on the coast, like near like Georgia and like Alabama because of the General Sherman and how he just laid waste going south and grabbing everything he needed along the way. Um, so I was confused as to where she was talking about the blue locusts. But generally, they'd come in and take what they need and burn the rest because they didn't, they didn't want to leave um, their enemy any supplies. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I know too much about the Civil War. It's it's I I, I feel bad. Like this is going to become Civil War cast, so I'll just shut up. So we'll move yeah, on. I, I was just trying to figure out where the Battle of uh, Yellow Tavern was. Yeah, I don't know that one. I don't South know. Carolina. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It was. It was in Richmond, Virginia. So. Okay. Well, I mean, so. that's still relatively close. But I mean, like General Sherman's march the sh- the sea was like more southern and towards. Like, yeah. He, yeah. Yeah. And that's you want to you want to read about something that was a hell of a thing. Look up that. That was crazy. But that's not this episode. So anyway, she doesn't like the North. We know that, and she says she really wants to grab her gun and uh, find. Like, if she sees a Yankee, she's going to go up to him. And tell him like you know everything that basically tell him off and be and, and she's going to shoot him and she believes that'll be the last shot of the civil war, you know and she's very adamant about this. Um, yeah. So and, and Ebby's more like I don't know about this. that. Yeah. Immediately yeah. after this. Yeah. Immediately after her uh, talk about shooting the last shot of the civil war, a shadowy man on horseback appears, and uh, you can tell that it's a Union soldier at this time. He's a yeah. Union lieutenant. And um, Ebby runs down to the road and talks to him. He's like, you know, you look familiar. And he finally realizes that it's a Union soldier that actually helped him when he was bleeding out after uh, some sort of explosion, some sort of gunfire went off. Mm -hmm. Um, And I love the way they shoot him in this. And I love his performance. It's not the best performance, but there's something off about it the entire time like it's almost an amateur amateurish performance from his part but it it actually lended itself quite well well he's just so like calm like when he's delivering his lines there's no like basically he's so aloof saying what he's saying because when uh, when ebby's like oh you know you helped me and he's like uh you know, he's like, it's like, yeah, perhaps I did or whatever. And he's like, I'd like some water, please. And then they're having this conversation. And um, Lavinia realizes that he's, you know, a Yankee. And um, she she goes to uh, she goes to shoot him. And she she says something. I forget the line, but uh, the, the spoiler alert. I'm going to play a little bit at the very very end of the episode. And he's just kind of like, all right, do what you got to do, you know. And she she goes to fire a shotgun, and it does nothing. And um, you know. And she's like, I should have killed you. It's like, yeah, I should have hit you. And he's like, it doesn't make any difference whether you did or whether you didn't. And it's like, wow, that's such a good line. And, yeah. then he's and still, the whole yeah. time he's cast in shadow. Yeah. And it's just, it's, 
it's incredible. Um, but then at that moment, after nothing happens, Ebby remembers that soon after he helped him, uh, the lieutenant was killed or I th- he was he got blinded shrapnel by his eyes. Yeah. Shrapnel, yeah. And uh, he goes into kind of graphic detail, which uh, I, I was surprised how much they went into it on the episode. And uh, he remembers that he was killed shortly after, so he was dead. So he raises the lantern, and you see the wound over his eye mm-hmm. and, like, across his face. And he says the whole line about, and this too shall pass, and keeps going and disappears into the into the darkness. Yeah, that's and like, but like it's it's it, it that's very effective, you know. And then it's suddenly yeah, that yeah. that whole segment is one of my favorite things uh, we've covered on the Twilight Zone so far. Yeah, just that scene. I I don't know if this episode will. Uh, I'll I'll save my thoughts for the end. I don't know if this will pop up in my top episodes of all time list or anything when we finish the series, but. That's a very memorable scene, and I think I teased last week that I had seen this episode before. That was the only thing I remembered from this episode, <laughs> and I got really excited when uh, we got close because it it finally dawned on me what was about to happen. But I remembered that as the end of the episode. <laughs> I actually forgot all the stuff. <laughs> well, like like I said, like I said last week, um, this was one of like four episodes I watched whenever we were first starting this, the idea of the show. So I was trying to find audio uh, to, to make an intro, which by the way, I didn't do that. Kevin made the intro. It's badass. That's great. So all I did was like, say, I don't know music. And then you've made it all great. Um, I, this is one of four that I ended up watching. So the thing I remember the most, because I'd watched it like in the past couple of years is the thing we're going to get to at the end. Cause it, cause yeah. the first time I watched it, I was like, what? Like, and then, so the, the, um, the the on the noseness didn't hit me the same way watching it for now that we talk about it. But the first time I watched it, I'm like, wow, they went there, you know. So yeah, <laughs> yeah they really drive this point yeah. uh, home. I kind of wish this was the end, <laughs> right? Uh, I wish my memory served me that way, but uh, unfortunately, it keeps going. Yeah. So <laughs> it's yeah. it it cuts to the next morning. Ebby's uh, in the doorway and he's looking for Lavinia and he's telling her that he's got to leave. That he was sitting out the night before and the soldiers stopped coming and he realized he started thinking about it and he's like, you know, what? I think there's something at the end of this road that I got to go to. Um, and as he's about to leave, you start hearing the song from the beginning of the episode start uh, being uh, sung from down the road. And it turns out that it's her husband, Judd, coming down the road last. Yeah. And uh it, obviously they set it up so it's it's got to happen here so she runs out to the street and everything and starts talking about how she wants to rebuild the house and start their life over and everything and judd judd doesn't necessarily say no or anything he just says like we, we that can't happen like, yeah like the fact that like they they embrace and they kiss and it's like he he, he still kind of does it kind of like you know it, it detached but like you know yeah, it, it, yeah. he knows like this yeah. isn't necessarily uh, it's it's not real. It's not something that's gonna last. Yeah, and so like you, that's when you get to the realization that like he he didn't make it in the the the, the fight of the Yellow Tavern, and she succumbed to a fever earlier, and so she she starts to realize that she's dead, he's dead, and he's like, I'll meet you at the end of the road, you know, and he just kind of goes on her way on his way, and while um while Ebbing is kind of like the weird fifth wheel, like. <laughs> this whole yeah, thing he, kinda, t- he just kind of like, all right, well, I'm going to 
I'm gonna walk into this fog now. See you guys. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I get no goodbye with Abby. He just he's like, he he's leaves. Like, I, I almost got, you know, I almost shoehorned my way in here, but I guess not. I guess I'm on my way. Um, yeah. So he wanders away. Um, you know, the husband wa- Judd wanders away, and she's kind of distraught. And then you, you yeah, see, she collapses in the yeah. road, and then who helps her up is. Uh, I you, wish it didn't happen. You already ruined it by the cast list. It's Abraham Lincoln, you know, and he <laughs> helps her up, which I'm just going to point out now for as much as she hates Yankees and all this. And I know she's just been given like the sixth sense, like, you know, like, you know, plot twist. Right. I'm still pretty sure she'd be pissed off to see Lincoln. I just think that she'd be angry and be like, I'm going to go grab my gun. He'd be like, nope, I already got one hole in my head. I don't need a second one. You know, like, yeah, and, well, here's my question. Yeah. So, uh, so the the union lieutenant comes and he's got his death wound. How come no one else does? Yeah, I know. Like I well, the Charlie Constable, you know, you don't you don't know the extent of his yeah, head trauma. Exactly. Right? So at that point, um, like you wouldn't want to reveal it. Yeah. And uh but like Lincoln, and, uh, yeah, he's got the blood yeah. on his hat and everything, so it's fine. But like Abe Lincoln should have a have a uh have a scar or something. He should have like a head bandage, you know, or or wearing the top hat that's wrapped in bandages also around his head. Like something to signify that he got shot in the head, right? Um, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I mean, I guess that might be in poor taste. I don't know. To show a <laughs> yeah. half-head Abe Lincoln half, walking oh, down the That would be amazing. But no, but the fact that he actually ended up living for what, like almost a day after the shooting, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, so I don't think his, I think his head was intact. I just think there was a bullet lodged in it. So I yeah, think. That's true. But yeah, yeah, okay. Maybe his hat was covering it up. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. All like right, maybe, I, I don't know. Maybe he, I, he, I, he helps her and his hat falls off and she sees the wound and we don't and she freaks out. How about that? That would have been better, <laughs> been you know. Amazing. Like, maybe, oh my god. Maybe she looks through his head and sees the end of the road. Maybe that's the, maybe that's the image that we get. <laughs> she sees her husband off in the distance through the hole in Abe Lincoln's head. That is the episode I want to see now, you know, like that's oh, Man, that's that would be on like Tales from the Crypt. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That would have been incredible. So yeah, he he gives uh, he reads uh, Shakespeare from something from Julius Caesar, and um, yeah, he, well, he he basically tells her not to be afraid, and she runs up ahead and embraces Judd again, and that's it. Well, he also says, "I'm the last casualty of the Civil War," which yeah, I'm yeah, going to tie it back into her. I would argue that's not true. I would argue that's not accurate at all. But yeah, and that's it. Like, I mean, just basically, this is the ghost of war, and this happens to be this throughway that, um, I mean, she can see it because she's dead too, you know? And I, again, overall, it's not a bad idea for a story. It's just no. something about it. It's just something about it's just missing, and I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on it. There's no real drama, there's no real. Like, not that this, I mean, not every single episode has to have tension or something, but there has to be some type of conflict to, for me, especially for her, because she, like, really the story's about her the entire time, about how she's not letting go of the life that she had, which is very obvious because she's sitting on the porch of her burned out house. Like, we, it's, it's so, it's so on the nose. obvious. Yeah. It, that it's so on the nose that it, none of it, none of it feels right. You know, that's, that's what, that's kind of how I feel about it. Yeah. I, but I kind of like the fact that it's, it's, there's not much conflict. I just, with the setting and everything and just how, 
I don't. I, I, the whole atmosphere of it kind of lends itself well to no conflict and just these character moments and everything. So I kind of like it, but I, I totally understand where you're coming from with that. Cause the, the only part that really grabs me is the part with the union soldier where there is that conflict of her with the gun and everything and him in the shadows with his calm, creepy voice. Um, but I, I don't know. Like I, I didn't hate this episode. I didn't necessarily love it. But it's something that I feel like I'm going to remember now for a while. That's because it is because it is a nice statement on moving on and uh, dealing with death and everything. And it's kind of a sweet episode at the end of it. Um, but yeah, it, it is just missing something. Yeah, I just I if this would have been a short story versus like a TV show, I think it'd be I think as a as a written short story, you're allowed just to kind of have mood and atmosphere. But I feel like whenever you're doing anything in like a television format, it has to have it has to have a button on it. And I don't feel like other than the surprise of Lincoln, which, you know, is that really a surprise? I don't think that's a surprise. I mean, you know, like, no, it, it's it's obvious and kind of eye rolling because it's just like, all right, we understand. We know the time period. We know what's happening. Like, and we've already dealt with Abe Lincoln on the show. I was going to say, he, he picks up Lavinia. He was like, I would have lived if it wasn't for that goddamn professor screwing up and letting John Will's <laughs> book drug me. Uh, you know, like I would have made it, you know, like John, what was and, the guy's name? I forget, it wasn't John. It was John Wilkes Booth, but it was like something Barry or something. I forget. But anyway, he's like that guy with that doily. He got me. But if it had been the professor from Gilligan's Island, if he would have actually just done his job, I would be alive right now. You know? Yeah. So. But I think, I think the button of having uh, Judd come down the road and everything pretty much ties up this episode nicely enough. Yeah. And that should have been, you're right. That should maybe should have been the ending. Not, not the Lincoln stuff, but you know, I I, just two on the nose. I I don't think it necessarily killed the episode for me. Um, I think some of the writing did that, but (laughs) (laughs) um, yeah, it's, it's just one of those things that when it happened, it was just like, (sighs) of course, of yeah. course they went there, you know? Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it, it's, it's fine. I mean, the, 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 the set was amazing. The long crane shots of everybody walking. Like we talked about this previously, that's effective. Um, just from a, how, how you establish mood and a very short amount of time with one set. This is a, this is an episode worth revisiting for that. Um, yeah. Yeah. And Elliot Silverstein is somebody who I'm excited because he's got a few more episodes coming up. Um, I mean, the look of this and the obsolete man are, I, it's up there with the Douglas Hayes stuff in like season one. Yeah. I, I really love what this guy brought to the look of the twilight zone. And it's, it's definitely, he's one of those directors that when you think of the twilight zone, you're thinking of his vision as far as like the look of it and everything. So, so do you want do you want the behind the scenes stuff or do you want the civil war stuff first? Like I'll give you a choice because I have two things I want to mention. Let's you, let's do behind the scenes because <laughs> I know you're I know you're excited about this because <laughs> you're talking about El, Elliot Silverstein, right? So, all right, here's a quote from James James Gregory, right? Um, he said, I put my belt buckle on upside down. So the big CSA is upside down, right? Which if you go back and watch the episode, you can see that a little bit. Um, the director, Elliot Silverstein saw it and remarked about it. And I told him, but don't you see Elliot? These people are dead. And the buckle upside down indicates that status. Well, he gave me a funny look and then, ah, yes, Jim, I see what you mean. Good touch. 
I don't think either of us, either of us truly understood, but it was good for a laugh. That's what James Gregory said. Whatever, you know, so, okay. This is what, so that was one book I, I pulled this from. Another book has a quote from Elliot Silverstein, and it says, James Gregory um, provides an example of the kind of tension you're under. He suggested that since he was dead, he should wear his belt buckle upside down. And I said, fine, fine. What he didn't know is that I was never going to see it. I didn't care. And I just wanted to get on to the next shot. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> I just love, I love that there's two, two separate references I found that tell the same story. And one's like, yeah, I yeah. want to get the character. James Gregor <laughs> is like, that was a great moment I created in this episode. That was a great little touch. Elliot Silver's just like, I don't care at all. Um, I mean, for not caring, he established quite the mood and atmosphere uh, with this episode. So, well, I mean, I, I yeah, mean, I just think, I just think that I guess. There, there's just some fights that you don't have. And I think he understood the medium of like, this is shot on film. It's going to be shown on small television screens. No one, he, he doesn't have the forethought of like, people are going to watch this on large screens and be able to pause it and find these things. Right. Yeah. So, I, like, I couldn't even, yeah. I didn't even notice, you and, know, I was watching on like a 70 inch TV. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so there's just, how, a, how would anyone ever see that? If, if you're looking for it, you can see it. Otherwise you're never going to notice it, you know? And it's like, that's, and if that's what the, what the actors have to do to kind of get into the character i'm okay with that kind of like little like personalization but i like the fact that he's like they're dead it's upside down right and he's like yeah whatever that's the thing in this episode (laughs) that tips you off yeah yeah (laughs) not the on the nose dialogue or symbolism and anything yeah it's it's the belt belt buckle buckle. that's the big spoiler (laughs) in this episode (laughs) oh it's it's not a it's not all the zombies walking down the road. It's the upside down bell buckle. The up, yeah. <laughs> I gotcha. That should have been the title of the episode, the upside down bell buckle. I'll be like, what's going on with this? I don't know. That's um, an Are You Afraid of the Dark episode. <laughs> yeah. Submitted the for tale. your approval of the Midnight Society. I present to you the tale of the upside down belt buckle. Like, yeah. And it would involve <laughs> a brother and sister, and it'd just be all over the place and kind of shitty. That's exactly what it would be. Anyway, I digress. So I thought you would enjoy the two separate looks yeah. at one element of the episode. And I it's funny that I you often I often find stories about behind the scenes, but I don't find them like you'll you'll hear you'll hear versions of the same story from different people, but to hear very different like viewpoints on the same instance. I, I don't know if I'm ever gonna find that again and I had to write it down and I had to tell you about it. And I it's enjoyed just such it. such a small touch too. Like that's amazing. <laughs> like neither of them probably ever read uh, any of those interviews or anything and mm-hmm. ever knew about that. Yeah. Uh, so, all right. So the civil war information. So, um, the last confirmed survivor of the civil war was Albert Wilson. He died August 2nd, 1956 at aged 106. So this oh, was it's only, a, it's a shame he couldn't see this episode little over five years from this air date. Think about that. Like, that's crazy to me. This gentleman never saw combat. He was a drummer boy playing a get box. I don't know about that. So, um, so that happened, right? So he was, he died within three years of the twilight zone premiering. The last survivor that saw combat that's confirmed because there's actually a couple of people out there that were found out to be hoaxes and unconfirmed. So the last confirmed survivor that saw combat was James Albert hard. That's think about that last name. Like, you know, we're going to go fight for Sergeant hard. Yeah. That's, you know, that guy's a badass. 
Yeah, uh, that's that's a comic. Aged a hundred and eleven. I after I just talking about how people like they age seventy years when they're sixteen. These guys both lived past one hundred. Age one hundred eleven died March twelfth, nineteen fifty three. This gentleman reported to have fought in the first battle bull run, Antietam, Chancellorsville, Fredericksburg, and actually met Abraham Lincoln. Like that's crazy. Yeah, that's insane saying i can't i can't even imagine living that long yeah like i mean well like the, I, yeah I, I hope i make it a fraction of that <laughs> <laughs> well i mean think about this too like uh and, and again i'm sure we'll revisit this when we talk about the other civil war episode they they were in the last major conflict in the u.s that relatively involved even though mach- like weaponry and technology was advancing quickly you still had to face head-on your enemy on the battlefield with with guns that you they weren't like you get one shot and then you'd have to wait five minutes to reload it. You know, like this was stuff where it was about positioning and body count versus um, technology and being able to wage wars from miles away, you know, like, and then for these two guys to live as long as they did, not only did they go through the, the civil war, they ended up going through, you know, like you could even argue this. What was it? Um, There was the Spanish American war uh, and world war one, yeah. world war two, you know, and like, just think about like, being on the like the one gentleman, uh, you know, the, the guy who was 111, think about his time on the battlefield and then seeing the reels of like, you know, World War II happening. How can you even yeah. process that? Like, I can't, this guy existed in that time. And I, you, you can't even, I can't think of that. I can't think straight trying to picture that. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a, that's incredible. Yeah. Um, just even imagine like a hundred. Like ninety years from now, like what things would be like, I can't even imagine it. Living to see that, it's, it's yeah, it's amazing. And and spoiler alert: if you get to the end of the Ken Burns documentary, which again I want to recommend because it's amazing, they actually show there is um, it's around the thirties and forties. They actually have a um a reunion of sorts of the last known survivor, like uh, com- combatants, like you know, North and South meeting at Gettysburg. And it's actually shot on color film. So you actually see the the last remnants of the Civil War in color at Gettysburg. And these are old men, like with beards and gangly and all this. And it's like to think that this was shot on color film. And it's like it, color, for some reason, puts it in the modern mindset. I don't know why that's just you accept it, you know, and it's it's a very, yeah, it's a very unique thing, you know, and um yeah, I just, I mean, I know that this episode's about like, you know, the war, the war's on and, and it's over and there's the casualties of, but it's like there, there is the thing that Serling was writing this not too far removed from the last known people that had fought in it. You know, we're walking on this road going to meet Lincoln or whatever. Like that's like, I can't imagine like we're losing, we're losing the last of the World War II veterans now. Like there's only a handful mm-hmm. of them left, right? Like that's, I, it, it's just, it, I understand that's how time works but it still blows my mind. You know, like it's, it's, it's the big obvious yeah. statement, right? But it still it's, it's is one of those things on a day to day basis as you're going about going to work and everything. It, it's the kind of stuff that you don't think about yeah. on a daily basis. And when it hits you, it's just, it's kind of unbelievable. Yeah. So yeah, no, I, I understand where we're coming from. Like time is time, but it's not something that you stop and think about all the time so. <laughs> yeah, yeah not not to use time again but, yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> so yeah um anyway i'm just, if you guys want more civil war talk i'm sure we'll get to that later so anyway enough about that um 
unless you have any other comments about the episode, I just figured we just get to the twist. I'm going to put a question mark on that because, like, all the ones recently twist. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's a twist in this one. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll give my final thoughts as I give my twist rating. I put two, and the twist is everyone was dead after the Civil War. That seems pretty obvious to me. Like, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I oh. just I don't know. Like I feel like the shock of Lincoln, I already knew it was coming, and I know it's 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 tough to sometimes put yourself in the mindset of not knowing what's going to happen. I, I the first time I watched it, I didn't see it coming, in the sense that I, because it was so on the nose, I wouldn't think it would go there, but it went there, you know. So, um, but I'm still giving it a two because everything else in this episode is so in front of you and obvious that when this happens, it's like, oh well, that has to happen, of course. Yeah, um, I'll agree with you only because I like I like the twist. It's obvious. You can see it coming from the first minute of the episode, um, but I still like it. So I, the only thing that hurts it, like you said, the Lincoln thing. <laughs> and I don't even think that would have been shocking for people watching on TV. I, I still think it's uh, enough to warrant an eye roll from people back in 19, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, back in uh, 1961. Like I, I, I think it's an obnoxious addition to this episode, uh, which was an other otherwise pretty decent episode. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. so I'll, I'll agree with you too. Yeah. Yeah, so not not the best episode, not the worst episode. Definitely good ideas and good atmosphere, and some yeah, really good, good moments yeah. here and there. Yeah. Good performances. I just I I love the Union soldier, the shadowy figure on horseback. And I I love everything about that scene. Yes. I love the music leading up to it. Um, like that's that's the MVP of this episode. That's the scene that is going to continue to stick with me as it has throughout my life so far. Um, that's worth watching this episode for. Yeah, I, I agree. Cause it's like, it's the precursor to Jonah hex, right? Like you're just like, Oh, that guy has a messed up face. And he was the civil war. Like, uh, so that's, you know, now you can see, uh, Josh yeah. Brolin play that. Yeah, role. He kind of is. Yeah, <laughs> except, except he's for the North and he's blind in both eyes. They retconned it a little bit, but whatever. So yeah, anyway, yeah, um, it's all right. <laughs> all right. So that's going to do it for the passers by, uh, Kevin, how can people find us? Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Strange Highways Podcast. Uh, you can subscribe to us and rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, uh, Podbean, Satchel, pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts, we are there. And uh, especially iTunes, that's where it seems like most people are finding us. So if you could rate and review us on there, we would definitely appreciate it. Uh, and then if you want to get a hold of us, leave us feedback or let us know what you think about the show. Um, episodes in particular or suggestions on other side things that we've been doing. Um, you can uh, write us an email or voicemail at strange highways podcast at gmail doc. Um, yeah, sorry. All right. Uh, so, uh, next episode. So, uh, right. So just get it out in front. We're taking a week off cause, uh, you know, in, in honor of, um, all those that passed by on the road here, we're going to take a week off for 4th of July, no connection whatsoever, other than it's the holiday week. <laughs> um, and we're just gonna take a week off. Hope everybody has a safe and happy 4th of July. Uh, don't, don't blow yourself up with fireworks yeah. and, and, you know, just have a good holiday. Uh, 
just you know, we're gonna take time off because we've. I don't know if you guys noticed this. We've been going on like I don't know how many weeks in a row. We've been doing pretty good here, you know, like trudging along with the end of season two and Bronson and more Bronson and some monster clubbing. We need a break, and we're gonna take a break. Yeah, and then, and, yeah. And watching things that were longer than twenty minutes, <laughs> multiple weeks in a row. I'm impressed with myself <laughs> yeah um so yeah we're taking the week off the week after that though we're gonna get back right into this with uh with an episode called the a game of pool um <clears throat> here i will now i will now try to go four for four for the season we'll see how this goes um next week we engage in a game of pool that's both an activity and a title a play written by george clayton johnson starring mr jack klugman and mr jonathan winters it's the story about the best pool player living and the best pool player dead and this one we submit will stay with you for quite a while. Next week on the Twilight Zone, a game of pool. Nice. All right. There you go. Yeah. Very we nice. Got, we got for four. W- yeah. One member of the odd couple and um, the son of Mork from Ork on, uh, you know, Mork and Mindy. Um, we'll see. <laughs> That's like, I, I know John the Winters will talk about him. It's like he was this established comedian, but I will always remember him as the kid of, of uh, Robin Williams and Mork from Ork. Uh, was it Mirth? was his name something stupid i don't remember <laughs> yeah the, the, this, this was before my time i don't make me like I, I know i'm older than you but i'm not that much older than you you know but um, yeah i don't yeah. i don't remember that that's, <laughs> that's too old yeah so yeah anyway it's not like we're talking about a, a 60 year old uh 70 year old tv show that's but true whatever yeah 70 years old i can't do math <laughs> who knows um like it's all it's all discombobulated right because we're watching a 50 year old tv show dealing with like an over 100 year old conflict right so it's like this is a you know yeah, t- I'm, time's I'm funny out. yeah <laughs> we're all yeah, i'm looking forward to it. there's a lot of uh there's a lot of uh twilight zone alumni coming back uh, Buzz Kulik, George Clayton Johnson. So I'm I'm looking forward to it. I've never seen this episode. Uh, definitely one I would have skipped because it's not horror related when I was watching these when I was younger. So uh, looking forward to it. Yeah. So all right. So next episode's game pool again. Have a have a safe holiday. And I don't know. I got nothing. I just just get get your get box out and uh, and and play a song for the ladies. That's that's what that's my recommendation for the summer. Yeah, maybe I'll <laughs> learn that song and uh, post it on the YouTube page. <laughs> you got it. Have a good time. But everyone have a safe holiday. Enjoy it. Uh, go see some fireworks. Drink some beer. That's what I'll be doing. So yes. All right. Yeah. Later. <laughs> oh, see you guys. <laughs> This your pleasure, ma'am? And duty. A little of both, perhaps. Then you'd best get on with it. <laughs>